Okay, good morning. Good to be here. I feel like we haven't been around much lately, but um, we are still worshiping the Lord and being involved in His work. And uh, I want to give a maybe a five-minute update on tribe, and then go into the book of Mark. So um, Paul mentioned that we are going to study life of Christ in Mark, so I got a head start on that, and going through chapter one in the book of Mark. Okay, before we go there, um, I keep in touch with the tribal guys, Facebook, WhatsApp, that kind of stuff. And even this morning, I was on with them, and one uh, church that we were involved in, they said they couldn't have church this morning because they were having a funeral breaking of taboos. You know, not the Christians, but the village was, and they expected the Christians to be there. And actually, it was a Christian lady that had died. So they didn't have church, but I told them we'd be praying for them this morning as we uh, gave this update. And so let's go into some of the pictures. This is actually the lady that died about two weeks ago. And uh, she, uh, she's a believer. Her husband was one of the elders in one of our churches. And uh, they were having the breaking of that taboos for uh, her. So again, it wasn't her family doing it, but the village feels like they need to do it to protect themselves from the spirits. But anyway, uh, she passed away, and we know she's with the Lord. Uh, this fella here, I don't even know if he was a believer or not, but you can see in his hand, he's got some money in his hand. And I don't know if they think that's going to help pay their way into heaven or what, but they always put some money in the, uh, the dead person's hand. And just another gal who is close to death right here. So just the idea of death being a big part of um, their uh, life there in the tribal areas. Okay, so when you think of the tribal areas and their death situations, we saw this a lot. Uh, when somebody dies, they start beating the gongs and the women come together and start screeching and wailing and, and crying. And uh, we would just encourage them, you know, when they did become believers, that, hey, you know what? It's just like going on a trip. You know, the, your, you take your uh, kids to the airport, they get on the plane, they go out to college, and you say goodbye. You know, you're not uh, worried or, or scared about them going away and not seeing them for a while. Uh, it's the same way when a believer dies. Uh, it's like I told them when my mom passed away, uh, several days before she died, she called us all together and she said, hey, don't worry about me. I'm going to be with Jesus. And uh, so don't, don't uh, let it uh, worry you. So she was encouraging us. Anyway, um, after she died, uh, I, I got to thinking, you know, it's like the Lord came to the door. At, at the moment she passed away, uh, we were there saying, wow, she's gone. That's it. Boy, she was a great lady. And this is, in my imagination, I heard somebody knocking at the door. And I went to the door, and it was the Lord Jesus. He said, Steve, can I come in? I'd like to take your mom. I said, wow, yeah, sure, come on in, Lord. And like he walked in the room, picked her up, and said, I'm going to take her home. I just took her out and went up to heaven with her. Now, obviously, it's not that way, but technically, the moment they die, they're right with Jesus. And we need to remember that. So I would tell them that, you know, they're just going on a trip. You're going to see them again if you're a believer. So anyway, 
uh, just the idea of the death process and um, encouraging them in that as believers. Okay, now another thing, and I got this in our prayer requests, uh, is the youth conference coming up. Actually, it's around the beginning of April, so it's still another month away. But with this, we'll have about maybe 100 kids with their parents will come to one of our uh, Taman villages. So this is five or six tribes around us will be coming to our Taman area, and we'll have a youth conference for two full days. So uh, the kids just enjoy getting together, uh, studying God's word, sharing testimonies and praise. And these guys are dressed up. Uh, they're wearing their tribal outfits and stuff just for their picture, but a lot of these kids are in college, out in school. Okay, so this is three of our uh, Taman churches. They were together at this time, so not even 100 people in the three churches right now, uh, believers. But these are the guys that will be hosting the youth conference, so just appreciate your prayers as they think about what's going to be shared, the messages they want to encourage the kids with, how they're going to host them, uh, finances involved for all of that, so your prayers for the youth, youth conference coming up at uh, the beginning of April. Okay, now right now they're having rice harvest uh, back in our tribe, and that's what I see a lot of pictures of on Facebook. Uh, they carry their rice in the baskets after they cut it by hand uh, back to the village, and then they pound it and uh, get it ready for storing. And usually they have a, a work day, and they'll have about a dozen people, mostly ladies, and in their right hand, they have a little knife, and they're cutting the rice uh, stalks, I guess, one by one. They look for the ones that are ripe, and they cut them one by one. They leave the ones that aren't, and they'll come back a week later and get the rest of them. But this is them just working their way uh, through the rice fields. Have their sun hats on and stuff, and just encourage one another. And then after they work in one person's field, then they return, they retaliate, not retaliate, they return a favor and they work in the other person's uh, rice field. So they cut each, each other's rice fields in groups like that, just a time of getting together. And while they're out there in the rice field, they'll make a little temporary uh, shelter and you can see them having a snack as they're taking a break from cutting out in the field, enjoying some time together. See you later, alligator. <laughs> this is my last one. And the reason I did that, I'm done with this. I don't know. Uh, one of the gals in our assisted living uh, at the homes, uh, we cook in the kitchen uh, quite often, and one of the ladies, after she gets done with her meal, she gets ready to go, gets her walker, and she says, well, see you later, alligator. And everybody res- responds after a while, crocodile. So I thought, well, I got a picture of those alligator heads. See you later, alligator. Okay, thinking of Mark. And I appreciated the thoughts that were shared this morning in the communion time, uh, the Lord and what he did for us and the different references. Some of them I'll be looking at here in Mark. Um, but Mark, in our men's Bible study, we're going to start going through Mark at 7. So if you want to join us, uh, that would be great. But I'd like to uh, go ahead and read the first chapter of Mark. And then we'll look at a number of different things and just consider what Jesus did for us. Okay, so let's go ahead and start in Mark 1, uh, um, verse 1. 
Uh, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, even as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, who shall prepare thy way for you. Now he's talking about John the Baptist. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ye ready the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. John came, who baptized in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance unto remission of sins. And there came out unto him all the country of Judea, and all they of Jerusalem, and they were baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. John was clothed with camel's hair and had a leather girdle about his loins and did eat locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There cometh after me he that is mightier than I, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I baptize you in water, but he shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost. So I thought uh, it was interesting how John, who I believe was some relative of Jesus, I don't know if he was a cousin or what, but I know Mary and Elizabeth visited when they were both pregnant and they were excited about what God was doing and bringing both of these uh, newborn babes uh, into the world and the ministry that they were going to do. So John knew Jesus, but... It, he doesn't emphasize, hey, my cousin's coming, you know, get ready. Uh, he was just committed to being involved in the Lord's work out in the desert, it says, and uh, lived a very simple life, much like our tribal people in the early days, um, just eating and sleeping and you know, just making do. But anyway, John was a simple guy, and I thought, boy, I want to be simple for the Lord's ministry also. Just be focused on getting God's word out and um, just emphasizing and acknowledging the Lord Jesus. Okay, then going on into verse uh, 9. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. Straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens rent asunder and the spirit as a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. And I thought it's interesting here, several of the Gospels talk about when Jesus was baptized. Uh, There's a voice and the dove uh, came down. And um, just the Trinity, the idea of the Trinity, right there at Jesus' initial uh, introduction into his ministry. And so they all were working together to uh, magnify the Lord and honor him. And the Lord gave himself to the ministry of preaching the kingdom. Okay, so anyway, in uh, verse 12, straightway the Spirit driveth him forth into the wilderness. So again, he, like John, was living a simple life, uh, just involved in the Lord's ministry in a simple way. The Spirit drove him into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. So, you know, we see here the Holy Spirit leading the Lord uh, to go into the wilderness. And, of course, there he was tempted three times by the devil to do certain things. And Jesus said, no, man shall only live by the word of God and not by anything else. So 
But it does say that the demons tempted 40 days of Satan in the wilderness. And in the first chapter of Mark, four different times it talks about demons. I'll I'll point it out as we read through it. But you see a lot uh, in the Gospels about Satan confronting the spirits. He was involved in spiritual warfare. Anyway, uh, it also says that the angels were ministering to him uh, during this 40-day period. And I got two verses, you know, thinking about angels, and, you know, we wonder, well, do we have angels, and how close are angels to us? We have the Holy Spirit, we have the Lord with us, but what about these angels? Well, Psalms 34, 7 says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. So the idea of angels encouraging us and, and helping us in our walk with the Lord. Hebrews 1.14, and they, meaning angels, uh, not all are they, not all ministering spirits, so these angels are ministering spirits, sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. So as the angels encourage Jesus, I believe the angels in one way or another uh, help us spiritually, maybe in protecting us from evil spirits or what, but there are angels involved in our lives, so thankful for that. Okay, so back to uh, verse 14. Jesus begins his ministry. Now, after John was delivered up, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe in the gospel. So Jesus starts out like John, preaching the kingdom. And the kingdom involved uh, repenting, like John said, they had to repent of their sins and believe in the gospel. So I don't think the gospel in the early stages of uh, the Lord's ministry were the gospel of, hey, I'm going to die on the cross, you need to believe this, and that's going to be the payment for your sins. At that time, he was coming to present the kingdom, and if they accepted him as the Messiah, he would have set up the kingdom then. But things changed, and uh, he ended up dying for us on the cross to pay for our sins. But anyway, he starts out sharing the kingdom of God and to repent and believe in the gospel. Okay, then he calls the disciples, verse 16. And passing along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, Casting a net in the sea, for they were fishers, Jesus said to them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they left the nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat, mending the nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Keep going in uh, 21. So after he calls these initial disciples, he gets started in his healing ministry. And they go on into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. They were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as having authority, not as the scribes. Straightway there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. So here again, reference to the demonic spirit affecting this man. And he cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Nazarene? Art thou come to destroy us? 
I know thee, who uh, thou art, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, come out of him. And the unclean spirit, tearing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, Who is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. The report of him went out straightway everywhere into all the region of Galilee round about. <clears throat> okay, 29. Straightway when they were coming out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's wife, mother, wife's mother lay sick of fever, and straightway they tell him of her. He came, took her by the hand, and raised her up, and the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And that even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were sick, and them that were possessed with demons. There again, the idea of demons. And all the city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many that were sick with diverse diseases and cast out many demons. And he suffered not the demons to speak because they knew him. Okay, 35. <clears throat> In the morning, a great while before day, he rose up, went out, departed into a desert place and there prayed. We'll look at some of uh, this prayer aspect of Jesus' ministry in a while here. But he went out to pray, and I thought that was, that was interesting. Uh, actually, there's a number of times that he went to pray uh, involved in his ministry, and I think he knew the spiritual battle that he was in, that by putting on the armor of God, he could depend on the Father to guide him and lead him. And he was just acknowledging the Father in his time by prayer. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. They found him and said unto him, All are seeking thee. And he said unto them, Let's go elsewhere, into the next towns, that I might preach there also. For to this end came I forth. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. There came to him a leper, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Being moved with compassion, he stretched forth his hand and touched him, and said unto him, I will, be thou made clean. Straightway the leprosy departed from him, and he was made clean. And he strictly charged him, and sent him out, and said unto him, See thou... Say nothing to any man, but go show thyself to the priests and offer for thy cleansing the things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And he went out and began to publish it much and to spread abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into a city, but was without in desert places from every quarter. That was often still not showing those alligators. Okay, <clears throat> so as we uh, go through the chapter and think of the different things going on here, uh, Mark starts out different than the other Gospels. Matthew and Luke talk about uh, genealogy and uh, Christ's background and fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures of the Messiah coming through the line of David. John starts out talking about the Lamb of God and just teaching who Jesus was and not talking about his uh, miracles. But Mark starts right off the bat, like 
Jesus is often running out of the starting block and doing all the different things that we just read about in Mark. So anyway, um, the Lord is showing us through Mark that uh, Jesus came because God so loved the world. And the way he showed his love by, was by uh, preaching and healing and uh, just sharing, you know, going against the spirits and things, the evil spirits. But uh, Jesus was showing us all the different ways to uh, that God so loved the world. So anyway, let me read a summary of uh, Mark, and then we'll get into some of the different topics that we want to look at. Okay, so a summary of uh, Mark. Here's what I got. Although the Gospel of Mark does not name its author, Mark is the author, but anyway, it is the unanimous testimony of early church fathers that Mark was the author. He was an associate of the Apostle Peter, evidently his spiritual son, from 1 Peter 5. And from Peter, he received his first-hand information of the events and teachings of the Lord and preserved that information in the Gospel of Mark. It is clearly agreed that Mark uh, is the John Mark of the New Testament. His mother was a wealthy, prominent Christian in the Jerusalem church, and probably the church met in her home. Mark joined Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey, but not on the second because of a strong disagreement between the two men. Near the end of Paul's life, he does call Mark to be with him, 2 Timothy 4. Okay, the Gospel of Mark was likely one of the first books written, and it was probably written around 60 A.D., so 30 years after Christ uh, resurrected and rose again. Whereas Matthew is written primarily to his fellow Jews, Mark appears to be targeting the Roman believers, particularly Gentiles. Mark wrote as a pastor to Christians who previously had heard and believed the Gospel. He desired that they have a biological story of Jesus Christ as a servant of the Lord and Savior of the world in order to strengthen their faith in the face of severe persecution and to teach them what it meant to be his disciple. The gospel is unique because it emphasizes Jesus' actions more than his teaching. It is simply written, moving quickly from one episode in the life of Christ to another, it does not begin with the genealogy as in Matthew because Gentiles would not be interested in his lineage. After the introduction of Jesus at his baptism, he began his public ministry and called the first four of his 12 disciples. What follows is the record of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. As we follow his journeys through Galilee and the surrounding area, we realize what a rapid pace he set. He touched the lives of many people, but he left an indelible mark on his disciples. At the transfiguration, he gave three of them a preview of his future return in power and glory, and again it was revealed to them who he was, leaving an indelible mark on his disciples. Uh, I think it was 11 out of the disciples, out of the 12, uh, ended up dying um, for their faith, for their ministry, martyred for their faith. So these guys were willing to give their lives to talk about this Jesus who they saw firsthand and they watched him rise to heaven. Uh, their lives were changed forever. 
um, they gave their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, anyway. Uh, Mark's gospel is concerned with presenting Jesus as the Messiah, the King, the Son of David, who is rejected by the religious authorities, calls his followers to radical discipleship in the kingdom of God. Mark focuses on Jesus as the, as the one who ushers in the kingdom of God. Okay, so as we um, look at a couple of different highlights in Mark 1, the three things I would like to emphasize are, one, uh, Jesus' prayer times. Uh, we just saw in 135, I think it was, Jesus went out uh, by himself to pray. Well, I'm going to look at a number of areas that talks about Jesus' prayer life and how important that was to him. And I also want to uh, discuss a little bit about the spiritual warfare that the Lord was involved in. And of course, that involves uh, demons and things. And then also uh, touch on the miracles that Jesus did, reminding us of who he was in loving the world. Okay, so thinking uh, first off about uh, Jesus' prayer life. Okay, so as you think about his prayer life, uh, often he prayed alone. He didn't say, hey, come on, let's go pray. Let's have a prayer meeting here and and get to the Father. Uh, He went out by himself often and just spent time uh, with God, being encouraged himself, committing his life and ministry to the Father, and just reminding himself again that he's doing the Father's will. So anyway, Jesus prayed often alone, and he did pray in public. It was like he wasn't like he never prayed in public, but he prayed primarily alone. He prayed before meals. He prayed before important decisions, before healing, after healing. Uh, he prayed to do the Father's will, and he prayed uh, in John 17. I want to look at that. Um, David mentioned a little bit the first four verses, but he gave us an example of prayer by um, praying to the Father in John 17. So if you want to turn there. And thinking of Jesus in this prayer in John 17, we see him acknowledging the Father. Uh, in these different aspects of the John 17 prayer. In uh, Proverbs, my favorite verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. So as we look at John 17, we'll see Jesus acknowledging the Father in all these different aspects. Okay, John 17, starting in verse 1. These things spoke Jesus, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may glorify thee, even as thou gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom thou hast given him, he should give eternal life. This is life eternal, that they should know thee, the only true God, and him who thou didst send. I glorified thee on the earth, having accomplished the work which thou hast given me to do. Now, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And I manifested thy name unto the men whom thou gave me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them to me. They have kept thy word, now they Know that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are from you. 
For the words which you gave me I have given unto them, and they received them, and knew of the truth that I came forth from thee, and they believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for those whom thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all things that are mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no more in the world, and these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep them in thy name, which thou hast given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. As I'm looking through this right now, I'm thinking, wow, is that how often do I pray like this? My prayer life. Am I asking God, help me to glorify you in all these different aspects. Help me to be involved in people's lives so that I can impart your truth unto them, that they will be with you and with us forever. Now, how are we praying like that? Okay, so um, verse 12, while I was with them, I kept them in thy name, which thou hast given me, and I guarded them. Not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy made full in them. I have given them thy word. The world hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldst take them from the world, but thou shouldst keep them from the evil one. Again, the demonic spiritual warfare. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in thy truth, thy word is. Truth. Thou didst send me into the world, as thou didst send me into the world, even so send I them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Neither for these only do I pray, but for them also that believe on me through thy word, that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may also be in us that the world may believe that thou didst send me. And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them, thou and me, they may be perfected, that they may be perfected into one, that the world may know that thou didst send me and love them, even as thou lovest me. Father, I desire that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, Thou hast given me. For thou loved me from the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world knew thee not, but I knew thee. These knew that thou didst send me. I have I made known unto them thy name, and will make it known that the love wherewith thou loved me may, may be in them, and I in them. Okay, so as we're thinking about uh, prayer, you know, I was looking at the prayer requests that we put out every uh, Wednesday night, like in the back foyer there. Uh, a majority of the things we have marked down there are praying for health needs. You know, and that's not wrong. But I wonder, how often do we mark these things down? Lord, uh, help us to pray that your name will be glorified. Help us to pray that uh, people will come to know you. Help us to pray that laborers will go out. Help us to pray that we'll be aware of your presence. In, your li- in our lives, in our ministry. Uh, I think we need to think about the spiritual battle that's going on and pray as if our lives, well, not our physical lives, but as if 
our ministries and the things that we're involved in here, uh, we're fighting against the evil one. So pray with earnest, with an earnestness. Pray for these tribal guys, you know, as we have different uh, people we're involved in in ministries all over the world. Let's be praying for these guys that they'll um, be ministering as the Lord would desire here in uh, John 17. Pray for the spiritual warfare that they're involved in uh, over there. Okay, so just thinking about some of the verses of Jesus' uh, prayer life. I have some of these listed. Jesus prayed uh, at his baptism. We saw that. Uh, In the morning, uh, before he was heading uh, to Galilee, we read that in Mark 1. Uh, He went out by himself and prayed. He often prayed after healing people. He prayed all night before choosing his 12 disciples. While speaking to the Jewish leaders, um, he would pray, giving thanks to the Father before feeding the 5,000. He asked a blessing on that ministry. Uh, Before walking on the water, healing a deaf and mute man, giving thanks to the Father for feeding the 4,000. He prayed for Peter. Um, Peter called Jesus the Christ. So he is praying for for Peter's uh, awareness and growth in his ministry. He prayed at the transfiguration. Uh, At the return of the 70, he prayed. He prayed... um, he showed the disciples the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, etc. Uh, raising Lazarus from the dead, laying hands on and praying for little children. Uh, he prayed at the Lord's Supper for Peter's faith when Satan asked to sift him. He prayed for himself and his disciples before heading to Gethsemane. Uh, in Gethsemane, uh, before his betrayal, he prayed three separate prayers. Uh, Right after being nailed to the cross, he asked the Father to forgive them, for they knew not what they do. While dying on the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Acknowledging the Father on the cross. And into the Father's hands, he commended his spirit as he gave up his life. He prayed a blessing on the bread before he ate with the others uh, after his resurrection. Blessed the disciples before his ascension. So we see many times uh, in the Lord's ministry, uh, he was spending time with the Father in prayer. How are we doing uh, in our prayer lives? Okay, the spiritual warfare. So let's look at some of the verses that talk about um, his interaction with uh, the evil spirits. Okay, so it's actually 63 times in the New Testament Uh, mostly in the Synoptic Gospels, not in the Gospel of John, uh, where it talks about Jesus, uh, the spiritual warfare aspect and being involved in um, fighting against the spirits. So again, thinking about spiritual warfare, uh, I was thinking in 1 Peter 5, 7-10, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may against the wiles of the devil. Anyway, just some ideas of the demonic confrontation that Jesus uh, went against. Uh, So we mentioned earlier the 40 days in the wilderness, Satan tempting him and the angels encouraging him, ministering to him. Uh, He went against unclean spirits uh, in a synagogue in Capernaum, cast out a demon that made a man dumb, uh, they accused 
uh, Jesus of working in the spirit of Beelzebub, uh, the devil. Uh, the, he uh, healed a lady that was possessed by a legion, meaning many evil spirits, uh, a Syrophoenician woman's daughter, an epileptic, uh, Simon's mother-in-law. We saw, saw that earlier. The 12 apostles, he gives them authority to cast out demons, and they come back after their ministry, and they tell all that he did, and uh, how the Lord helped them fight against Satan. And then he rebukes Peter uh, toward the end, and he says, get behind me, Satan, when Peter said, no, you're not going to die. What are you talking about? And Satan was trying to tempt Peter, and so Peter, Jesus uh, rebuked um, Peter in that moment. Uh, healed a crippled woman that had Satan, uh, was affected by Satan for 18 years. Judas Iscariot was controlled by Satan to uh, report Jesus to the authorities, and uh, arrested. Jesus told Peter that Satan had required a uh, re- uh, desire to sift him as a grain of wheat. That Jesus prayed for Peter. He um, says that believers, that we will be able to cast out demons. So just the spiritual warfare going on, let's be praying um, that the Lord will help us to be aware of the spiritual needs going on around that there is spirit, uh, still a spiritual warfare going on, and that includes our country. Praying for our government, be praying for our schools, with all the different cultural things they're trying to introduce into our kids' lives. That's spiritual warfare. Our country and our kids away from the Lord. So anyway, the spiritual battle. Okay, and then finally, the miracles. I want to remind ourselves again of the many miracles that Jesus did uh, as he showed God's love to the world. Okay, so I'll just go through a few of them here. Uh, Mark actually records about 20 of Jesus' miracles and does talk about eight of Jesus' parables. So he turned the water into wine at the wedding in Cana, uh, healed the nobleman's son who was near death, um, healed a demonic at the synagogue. We looked at that earlier. Uh, Peter's mother-in-law, Healed many and cast out demons at sunset. The miraculous catch of fish while the guys were tending their nets. Uh, healed the leper. Uh, the uh, paralytic that they let down through the roof. Jesus took the time from his teaching to heal this man. And that was a testimony to the people that uh, witnessed that. The withered hand in the synagogue raised a widow's son. Calmed the storm, cast out a legion of demons, healed a woman of an issue of blood, raised Jairus' daughter, healed two blind men, healed a mute demonic, a crippled man at the pool of Bethsaida. Uh, a number of different issues where Jesus healed people in so many different ways. Okay, and then of course he did the miracle of raising from the dead and ascending into heaven. So many miracles that Jesus did. And that doesn't include when it says briefly in a couple of places, and many came to him and he healed them. Uh, So it wasn't just the individual instances we saw here. There was probably hundreds, if not thousands of people healed by the Lord during his time on earth. Okay, it was interesting. There's only two miracles out of the 
40 or so that are listed in the Gospels that are in all four Gospels. Many of the miracles are in um, Matthew, Luke, and uh, Mark. John has um, some miracles, but the majority are in the uh, Synoptic Gospels. And it's interesting, too, that John doesn't have anything about the demons. Just uh, one time, I think, where it talks about um, the demons in John. But John talks about uh, other miracles and not the demonic ones. So interesting things that John shares. Okay, um, I think that's it from just going over the book of Mark. Now I just want to leave us with some prayer requests for Lois and I and for the tribal guys. Okay, so we saw the pictures of um, some of the things going on back in the tribe. And I asked the guys, what would they like us to be praying for? And one of the elders said, well, pray for our church uh, gathering. They're noticing that the attendance is going down. Uh, they get People get distracted looking for gold, or right now they're working in the rice fields, and uh, many of them are not coming to church, so they see that as a need, and they ask us to pray uh, that the believers would just be re, uh, revitalized and challenged to come back and honor the Lord, love the Lord thy God. And then they also prayed about uh, the elders themselves, that they would be encouraged, continue to share God's word, prepare God's word each week, and to be faithful, to get alongside of people and encourage people in their walk with the Lord and challenge those that don't know the Lord to accept Christ as their Savior. They asked for prayer for the youth conference that I mentioned. They will be hosting uh, all these kids and adults uh, the 1st of April, so be praying for that. Um, the Wycliffe Bible Translators, we have that on our uh, Wednesday night prayer list. Uh, they said they're going to start the end of February, the beginning of March, go into our tribe and finish what we didn't finish. So just pray for the translators, pray for the Taman, that they'll get alongside of these guys and help them as they go through the translation process. So that starts in March. Okay, so anyway, um, one thing about the teens that uh, guys did mention too was a lot of the teens go out to college out on the coast. So they're away from their churches, away from their uh, parents. There is a one of our uh, New Tribes churches out on the coast, but not all of them go to that. So just pray for the youth as they go to college, that they'll walk with the Lord, that the believers out on uh, the coast will be able to encourage the college kids to stay truth, uh, true to the Lord. Okay, so then finally, uh, Lois and I. Uh, thank you guys for... Uh, encouraging us, being involved in our ministry. Um, next week, we're going to miss you again. Uh, we'll be over in Venice, Florida, one of our supporting churches there. Uh, we'll be sharing with uh, a singles group on Saturday night, and they've also invited uh, other couples that would like to hear us uh, for an hour just to talk about our ministry. They asked us to talk about discipleship, how we can disciple others, uh, to grow in their walk with the Lord. So just our ministry uh, next Saturday night with this group of about 40 people. And then they're giving us 10 minutes on Sunday morning to share an update with uh, the whole church. So appreciate your prayers for that. 
We'll be also seeing my brother and sister who live over there with a couple of cousins and nieces and nephews, so just our uh, fellowship with our family over there. Okay, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father, we do thank you. Uh, Thank you for your presence right here with us. We acknowledge you, we honor you for your faithfulness, for what you did for us on Calvary, for what you do for us every day, as you pray even now for us, and you have the Holy Spirit ministering to us in so many different ways. Help us, Lord, to just be sensitive to your leading, to be all that we can be for you, to be conformed day by day into your image, and just to be caught up with one day being with you forever. Help us to live for you in the meantime. So we do thank you. Thank you for this time this morning. And we uh, commit ourselves to you and pray in Jesus.